Hello everyone and welcome to Fireside Chat Friday here on Straight Independent Radio. We're sponsored by Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse and we're here to talk about all the things related to public education here in the city of Syracuse. Now we are winding down the end of this wild school year. We're starting to get used to what life is like with COVID here. And since vaccines are now available to children ages 10, excuse me, 12 and up, more and more students in the Syracuse City School District are starting to get their vaccinations. And this is a good thing because that means more and more of our community is going to be healthy. Now, I don't know about you, but I am really looking forward to being able to hug my friends and my family again. And this, my kiddos are looking forward to being able to hang out with their friends without the worry about COVID. And I'm sure that educators are really excited about the, the prospect of not having to worry about getting themselves or their students sick as they hit the classroom. Now, I'm waiting for my guest for the evening to join me. And while we're doing that, the Syracuse City School District, if you haven't seen the video yet, they had the head of the County Health Department, Dr. Indira Gupta, on Facebook Live. So if you haven't found that yet, go ahead and search for Syracuse City School District and take a look at that video. She gave some great information about public health, about the vaccine, and about why we don't need to worry so much about that. Now, if you still have concerns about the COVID vaccine, you should probably go check with your doctor about that, and they will tell you everything that you need to know. Now, as more and more kiddos are being vaccinated, more and more possibilities are opening up for us in schools. So what do you want to see happening now in the city schools as more and more students become inoculated against COVID? How do you see this transforming the Syracuse City School District and what goes on in a classroom? Well, one of the things that I hope will continue as we come out of this, this crazy experience of COVID is that a lot of the accommodations that we're putting to place around remote learning will continue to give more students more access and give students more options for how they learn. Now, some of my kiddos really enjoyed not having to leave the house to go into a physical classroom. Some of them hated not being in a physical classroom and jumped at the chance to be able to go back into a classroom. And now that there's fewer kids in the classroom, they're loving it even more. So one of the things that I'm hoping that will continue in the Syracuse City School District post-COVID is that our class sizes will continue to remain small. Because as you know, all the research shows that smaller class sizes means more learning opportunities for students in those classrooms 
and a better work environment for the teachers. Something else that I hope will continue post-COVID, if that ever happens, we'll see, is the access to remote learning for those students who, for whatever reason, can't be in the building. And I'm hoping that as we've learned all of the, the ins and the outs and the things that work and the things that don't work, that remote learning instruction will be even more rigorous, more robust, and more tailored to the needs of students. Now, and something else that I hope we've learned the lesson well about is how to deliver services to students who are receiving special education services. That didn't go so well. So I'm hoping that the, all the lessons learned about what did not work will be applied to provide better, more robust special education services to our students. The Syracuse City School District has about 20% of a student body, maybe more now, we haven't seen the new numbers, who have IEPs or 504 plans. These are students who have an identified learning disability, uh, developmental disability, or an emotional disturbance, something that impacts their learning. And these students need additional support to be able to be successful in school. Now, we've talked a lot about special education and some of the ways that it works and some of the ways that it doesn't work. So one of the things that I'm hoping to come out of this experience is that we learn how to better serve these students. And what's really important for not only students receiving special education services, but for any student is to have an individualized learning experience so that the material that they're being taught is being taught to them in a way that it makes sense to them. And it's also material that's going to hold their attention. My kiddos are, are they hold nothing back when they are talking about school. They are very clear that sometimes the information that they're being given is kind of boring or being delivered in a way that doesn't really capture their attention. And okay, I've been told my kids are an outlier. All right, not everybody goes out and researches the history of World War II at the age of 10. Okay, so the information that's being provided to students, we need it to be provided to them in a way that will capture that their imagination, something that will motivate them that when they leave the classroom, they still want to keep learning. The question is, why do we do that? Well, got to learn the kids. Now, Julie, who is joining us here in the comments on Facebook, because we are live on Facebook, is letting us know that some kids do prefer Zooming into class. Yeah, I have a couple of kids like that. Well, it depends on the class. Um, she's also saying the ones that were bullied or the ones who prefer to be by themselves. And yes, remote instruction does provide an opportunity for students who are stressed for whatever reason to not have to enter into that stressful environment that is the school building or the classroom. Now, it would be great if those stressors, such as bullying, 
were taken care of to begin with so that a student feels safe in their classroom, safe in their building. Until we can figure out how to do that, remote learning is an option for those students who school is not the safe place that it should be. There are also those students who just don't do well with crowds. Um, this is one of the reasons why smaller class sizes is a big thing. Those of us who are stressed out by having lots of people moving through our space all the time, that reduce, smaller class sizes reduce that kind of stressor. For some kids, not having to deal with people at all and taking part in virtual learning frees them up to be able to focus on schooling, to be able to focus on learning because their brains aren't focusing on, oh my gosh, there's all these people, where are they going, what are they doing, what am I supposed to be doing with them? So if you have questions, folks, please feel free to drop them in the chat on the Facebook Live. We are, we are live on Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse. Now, we, we also talk a lot about mental health here on this show. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so guess what? I'm gonna talk about mental health again. Because one of the things that the COVID pandemic has done, it's kind of busted the doors wide open on the youth mental health crisis. I saw a headline not too long ago about how the young people here in Onondaga County are silent victims of the pandemic when it comes to their mental health. And that struck me as odd because I know that myself and dozens of other parents across the county have been making noise about how we need better mental health services for our kiddos. So maybe not so silent, definitely victims because we do not have appropriate mental health resources in place for them. And the schools here in Syracuse are one of the places where people serve as first responders for students who are having mental health crises. So it's really important to have the training and the resources available to all the adults in the building to be able to recognize a child who's struggling with their mental health. So we do, we do have a couple of comments here in the, in the comments section. And Rain is telling us a little bit about her kiddo who became a little bit more relaxed once he got the hang of school and virtual learning. Now, the, the, a question that folks are asking is, will virtual or re remote learning be an option in September? I hope that it continues to be an option, particularly for those students for whom school being physically in the school building is a stressor. And again, there are students who are like that being in the building, interacting with their peers. That is a stressor. That is something that negatively impacts their mental health and having remote instruction available for them can be a game changer. Now, it needs to be quality remote instruction. And the question about what is quality education, well, that's the billion dollar question, isn't it? 
So what do you think is a quality education for students? So again, I think for each individual student, that's going to look different, which is why individualized education is really important for students. Are we, is the way that education is delivered, is it tailored geared towards actually being able to provide individual instruction? But yes, Julie, it is hard for students to learn when they are stressed. Your brain, the way that their brain works, and this is why I love studying medical neuroscience to help better understand people around me. The way that your brain works, when it's stressed and on high alert, all of your energy, all your neurotransmitters, all your neurons, they're dedicated to making sure that you survive whatever it is that's stressing you out. So for a student for whom physically being in the building and around their peers and the adults, for those kiddos who that situation stresses them out to the point where all of their mental resources are put into surviving, they're not learning anything. And one of the things that we know about students here in the city of Syracuse is that they are stressed. Even before COVID was a thing, and we were all worried about whether we were going to live or whether we were going to come down with COVID, students were stressed by poverty. They were stressed by, well, the whole city stressed by poverty, let's be, let's be honest. And that impacts the students, and they bring that stress with them to the classroom. And that stress prevents them from learning. This is why it's so important and why one of the things that I and Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse have been pushing for is trauma-sensitive schools, wherein the adults are all understand what stress does to a student, and they understand what it does to themselves, so that they can adequately address their, their own needs, the adults can address their own needs and learn how to self-regulate so that they can help teach students to self-regulate and address the students' needs. Now, I, one of the things that I really want to see coming out of, as we come out of the, the, the COVID experience is a greater awareness of the need to take care of the mental health of all the adults in the school buildings that come into contact with students, the adults whose job it is primarily to deal with other adults, they also need to be aware of trauma and mental health, and they need to know how to interact with their, their, their adult peers in a way that doesn't make those things worse. I talked to a lot of um, adults who work in the district and in, in various capacities. And one of the things that, that they consistently point out is that the relationships with their superiors are always pretty stressed. And you know how things work in a hierarchy. The person at the top is stressed, then the people just below them are stressed, and the stress just trickles all the way down. And who are the people at the bottom? The students, and just above them, are the teachers. So the two most important people 
the, the two most important groups of people in, in the Syracuse City School District are being subjected to the stressors of everyone else in the hierarchy. They bear all that weight. And that's not really a good way for the district to function. We really need to focus on making sure that we meet the social emotional needs. That's the word, that's the, the term. Social emotional needs, social emotional learning. That's basically what you call learning how to function in a healthy way. It's really easy to learn how to function in what we call maladaptive ways, ways that are not all that good for you, that aren't really healthy, that stress you out even more. It takes a little bit of work to learn how to function in ways that work for you, that help you and actually get you what you need. So we do need a greater focus on social emotional learning, not just for the students, for the adults too. Because I gotta tell you, teachers are stressed. And when teachers are stressed, it doesn't go well for their students. So you guys are really busy in, in the comment section, which I love. I love that you're talking to each other about these things. And yes, secondary trauma is a thing. Secondary trauma happens when someone else who's, you, you witness someone else who's stressed out about something being stressed out. And of course, well, most of us, that triggers the, the, the desire to wanna to help and help make things better. And we, we begin to experience vicarious trauma, also known as secondary trauma, wherein we also become stressed for that person. Now, this happens to teachers a lot because, you know, they're human, they have a heart, they care about their students, and they care about their coworkers. So as their students or their coworkers are experiencing this stress, they experience it alongside with them. And that's the thing about this, the, this stress and it, that it doesn't stay with the one individual, it bleeds out to everyone around you which is why you can walk into a classroom and everybody seems to be completely off the rails and everybody's stressed out. The kids are all stressed out. They're bouncing off the walls. The teachers trying to pull their, pulling their hair out, doing their very best to continue getting the classroom to, to function. But you know what? Everybody's broadcasting their stress. And it's important for the leadership in the district to give the classroom teachers the freedom to be able to step back and say, okay, kids, we're going to put aside the work for today, and we are going to work on calming our minds, calming our bodies. That's just as important to learning. We don't learn when we are stressed out, as I pointed out in the beginning. In fact, you can lose information as you continue to be stressed and you get no relief. It is a common hallmark of things like depression and anxiety when they continue on long enough that you begin to forget stuff. You forget events because all of your brain's energy is focused on surviving. 
And the stressed out brain, it's going to lose information. And particularly for young people, our brains are plastic. It's called neuroplasticity. Not necessarily like made out of plastic, but with each life experience, our brains learn new things and new pathways and new connections are made. And as we learn these things, those kinds of the, the pathways that are activated the most, those ones become the strongest. And the ones that aren't activated, your brain's like, oh, these aren't being used. We'll just stop giving energy to that. This can be a good thing as you are learning a new skill. The more often you do it, the more often you practice, those pathways, those connections become stronger. So yay, you've learned a new skill. If, however, you're in a situation where you always have to watch to make sure that there's not someone following you, that there's not someone trying to take your stuff, those pathways that are that govern fear in heightened emotion state, state, those are the ones that become stronger. And they take the energy away from something like learning to read or learning to do math. And it becomes that much harder for a, a young growing brain to learn new skills and learn new information. And I gotta tell you, as an adult, it's not that good either. It becomes that much harder when you are constantly stressed to learn new skills. Now, how do we apply this in the classroom? Well, it becomes more and more apparent how important it is to check in with students and to check in with their teachers and their classroom aides and make sure that everyone is on even ground to make sure that everyone has taken care of their baggage. You know, if it's messy baggage, you unpack it, you fold it neatly, you see what you need to keep and you see what you need to throw away. What does that look like in your school building? Well, it looks like teachers having a place where they can go and have a, a quiet sit down. A place that looks nice, that looks welcoming, that's got some nice comfy chairs, some soft music, light filters, where they can sit and calm themselves down, self-regulate, de-stress, where they have access to people whose job it is to help them talk through their stressors and help them problem solve. That's one of the things that it looks like. Something else that it looks like is students have access to the same kind of thing. Students have a place where they can go. They have free access to it at all times where they can go. They can get comfortable. They can de-stress. They have someone that they can talk to to talk through their problems and to problem solve. Now, Yes, it's the exact same thing for the adult and the children. Why? Because that's the way we are built. And this isn't really, this isn't some radical new idea that's coming out of nowhere. The move towards trauma-sensitive schools and social-emotional learning being the, at the center of learning 
has been developing across the country for quite some time now. There are places where whole school districts take the trauma-sensitive approach to learning. And here's the thing, it immediately becomes apparent in students' grades and their scores on those standardized tests that some people love, some people hate, I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it immediately becomes apparent that students are actually more ready to learn and more able to learn when we address their mental health, when we address their traumas. And this is something that not just the school district has to take the lead on. I always say that it takes us all in order for the students here in Syracuse to thrive. Yes, it takes leadership at City Hall, takes leadership from the county courthouse, it takes leadership from the state for students to be given the opportunity to not have to deal with these kinds of traumas or to learn how to deal with them in a healthy way. It takes the input of all of us, the whole community, to make sure that the teaching staff have the resources that they need, have the right materials to, in the classroom, to have the right opportunities to de-stress, to have the right opportunities and the support to take care of the things outside of the school building so that they don't take that stress and that trauma into the school building with them. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the community that shows up in the classroom. And so some of those things need to be addressed in the community. Trying to address them in the classroom only, that's more work than we should expect from the district. That's actually the work of the folks who are standing on the outside looking in. Okay, the Syracuse City School District it's got a lot of struggle, a lot of challenges to face, but these are not challenges that they should face alone. These are challenges that we need city government to help us face. These are challenges that we need county leadership to help us face. So the question becomes, what do we do? How do we support the Syracuse City School District in educating our students. Well, again, now, there's a lot of money being thrown at education right now. And there needs to be accountability for how that money is spent. And there needs to be input given by the whole community about how that money's spent. And we need to have the focus and make sure that people are asking questions and making sure that that money is actually being spent on students and not disappearing into the bureaucracy. So folks, those of you who are listening, I want you to ask the questions. Where is the money going? How is it going to be spent? What are the priorities for how this money is going to be spent? And how is it being used to impact what is happening in the classroom. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
It's allergy season, folks. Now, this is something that I'm so very passionate about, which is how I got connected with Parents for Public Schools. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, again, ask those questions of the district, of the leadership. Ask your kids' teachers. What do you want to see happen? What would be best to support you in a classroom? Teachers, tell us, what do you want? What do you need? What can we provide for you? Building its administrators, what do you want? What do you need? What can we provide for you? And answering those questions, I think, will get us to a place where we are providing our students what they actually need, and we're giving them the opportunity to learn. We've learned over the last few decades what doesn't work. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we've learned what not to do. We have an opportunity to try something new, to try something different. And I think the most important thing that needs to happen now is that families are given the opportunity to speak up and to speak about those things that their students need. So folks, help. You can hit right on the Parents for Public Schools Association page. What do your students need? How do you want to see the dollars that are being allocated for education? Share your voice, let the leadership hear it, and we can work together, all of us, the whole community, all of Syracuse, to make sure that our students get the education that they deserve. I want to thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You're listening to Fireside Chat Fridays sponsored by Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse. You can hear us on Straight Independent Radio. You can check out their new website, straight with an eight, indyradio.us for all of our episodes and for more great shows. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining the conversation about education here in Syracuse. Have a great evening, folks.